0: Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. I want to welcome all of you uh, here, especially the kids who are with us this first Sunday of the month. Kids, it's great to have you. If you're uh, not, not used to what we do here, kids, I want to tell you that we have you in the service the first Sunday of the month because we believe uh, that what we do here as adults is actually for you also. But we do have a couple of rules, and this is gonna, there's going to be some irony here, but We do have a couple of rules. Does anyone remember what they are? Yes, young man. Yes, to keep quiet. That's right. So we want you to focus on what's being said. There's going to be some drawings to do. uh, And then we're going to ask you to keep the noise to a minimum. You can ask a parent for help if you need to. And then we also want to ask you to stay in your seats. So I'm going to read from the scripture passage here. Uh, that's printed in your worship guide. It's actually Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and then it's verses 5, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. Would you look now with open ears as I read from this book that we love? Hear these words. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, we come to these this time, and we sit under these words. Uh, And Lord, I recognize that as we come here, uh, uh, some young, um, some old, some in the middle, Lord, I recognize that we come from all sorts of different places. Some of us come in here and our lives are filled with good things. Uh, It's easy for us to sing the song, For You Are Good, because we believe that with every bone of our body, and we have experienced that uh, in recent times. And Lord, for others of us, our reality couldn't be more different. Some of us come in here with incredible burdens and anxieties. Some of us come in here with broken relationships and suffering bodies. Some of us come in here with incredible financial need. Others of us come in here and we're not quite sure what we even think about you or uh, Christianity or all that was sung and said this morning. And Lord, I, I pray, therefore, that whatever place we find ourselves in, whether we come here in joy or in Uh, despair, whether we come here believing in you or having many doubts about you, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, we all ultimately come the same. We have all come in here with an overwhelming and unrelenting need to hear from you and know you and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would open our eyes and show us how you have met this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. I want to welcome all the kids here. So kids, today I'm going to ask you to do some drawings and we have a featured artist whose uh, drawings will be up on the screen. That's Lydia Guess. So we're thankful for Lydia and her gifts. And kids, I wonder, I wonder if any of you knows, does any of you kids know my purpose as a pastor? This is a a tough question. Most of you, I actually said it to you when you were about two days old, if you could just think back. (laughs) Right? right. I I said it to you in the hospital room with your parents. They were in complete and total shock. Does anyone remember? Well, I'll just tell you since... Oh, yes, young man. Say it really loud because I'm half deaf. Yes, that's right. So I, my purpose is to seek your joy in God, and this is where the trick is for the kids, in such a way that each and every one of you kids would walk with God all the days of your life, right? So when you are a really old person, right, when you are, uh, have gray hairs and you are coming to the end of your life, that you are walking with God even more passionately than you are right now. That's my desire. And I'll tell you, friends, that um, many of you know that this desire for our kids to walk with God all the days of their lives, or even for, for each and every one of us to walk with God all the days of our lives, that this is becoming harder and harder to actually see happen. Uh, Christian church, if you're, you know, if you're not sort of tuned in with Christianity, then you might not know some of what I'm about to say, but you can go Google it. Uh, Later on, Christian Church has been rocked recently with a number of high-profile Christian people, pastors, authors, speakers, uh, who have decided, uh, after serving really well for a long time, that they're going to walk away uh, from Christianity. And as I think about that, and I think about the scores of kids uh, who are doing that uh, effectively every year, shortly after uh, arriving at college, I am incredibly concerned Uh, about how this is going to happen for each and every one of you. So kids, here's what I want you to do. For your first drawing, what I want to do is ask this question, what kind of faith, what kind of faith is such that will enable you to walk with God, not just when you're with your parents, but all the days of your life? So what I want you to do is draw yourself looking through some binoculars. Do we have that up? Draw yourself looking through some binoculars, trying to find what what is the kind of faith that will enable this, all right? And that is a great drawing from Lydia Guest, so they some great material to work with. We'll leave that up. So the way that the scripture speaks about faith uh, in the book of Hebrews, and, and the word that's actually become my uh, word of choice when addressing this subject is the word substance, right? We use that word, I use that word a fair bit here at Ironworks, Works in that, our vision is that we would be a church who preaches and teaches and lives out a faith with substance. And kids, if you don't know what I'm referring to, basically it means a faith that's not pretend, right? Nothing wrong with pretending when you're little. When you're big like me, it doesn't work out so well, okay? Right? We wanna have a faith that's real and that has substance. And Paul is addressing this very question in this book, and I wonder, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but kids, Wonder here how many kids have seen their parents freak out? Okay, don't raise your. None of my kids are allowed to raise their hands. <laughs> All right, so here's the next question that definitely none of my kids are allowed to raise their hands. Have you ever seen a pastor freak out? Okay, yeah, good. I'm Eva, seriously. So, what we have in the book of Galatians is we have the Apostle Paul freaking out. To the point that I had to censor some of his language for our little ones, right? So when this scripture, there are ancient testimonies of this scripture being read in the church, and when kids were present, Paul would say, I tell you, those who are troubling you, I wish that they would beep. They even had that technology back in the day. He would say, I want to tell you who are doing this beep, 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 beep. And that is, kids, when that word is, when that sound comes on, it's because there are words being said that your parents don't want you to hear. That is what's happening in the book of Galatians. We have the Apostle Paul. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that he is freaking out. He is extremely upset, right? He's using vulgar language in parts. And the reason that he's so upset is because he sees a group of people that he cares for in the language of our passage who are about to become severed from Christ. Do you hear that language? Right? When you are severed, you're cut off. And he uses this language, you've fallen away from Christ. You've been severed from Christ. And so, friends, that is an appropriate reason to freak out. And that is what Paul is doing here. And as he's doing that, what he is unfolding for us, I think, is some uh, helpful content around this question. You know, What is a kind of faith with substance that will enable you and your children to walk with God all the days of their lives? And what Paul will do in my outline for us today is he'll look at two things, two strategies of Satan that Satan uses in an attempt to lure us into falling away, to taking the scissors, right, to the umbilical cord to sever our connection with Christ. Two things that he uses to do that, and then finally, uh, what the vision of Christian faith and freedom is all about. Okay, so two, two strategies of Satan to sever us from Christ, and then lastly, the vision of what faith and freedom is all about. So. The first strategy of Satan, kids, okay, is that all the kids, you guys know who Satan is? does, that, does all, do any of the kids know who Satan is? Yes, Isaac. Yes, that's right, Isaac, very good. He is called the accuser in Hebrew, okay? Um, now he is, very good, very good, very good answer, you, you've been really well trained. Um, <laughs> make up for the other thing earlier. So, yeah, so Satan comes on the scene uh, all the way back in Genesis chapter three uh, as the one who attempts to deceive and his whole aim throughout the scripture is targeted at this idea of severing. He does not like the idea of men, women, and children living in fellowship and communion and communication to God and the strategy that Paul mentions here, the demonic strategy, the, pl- the thing that rises from the pit of hell, do you know what that is? you know what it is in this, in this uh, passage? It's called law. Okay, anyone know, any kids heard, heard of the law, of laws, of rules? Okay, what I want you to do now, kids, is draw a big book with lots of pages and write the word laws on it. So we have that one there from Lydia. Very well done. Okay, So that's the first thing that Paul freaks out about. And the idea is summarized uh, in this word circumcision. So when you hear this word circumcision, uh, basically what that is referencing uh, is a requirement that some people back in the days when this letter was written, they said, look, it's great that you Gentiles believe in Jesus Christ, and you know we believe that you're in kind of sort of, but now, now you need to do the following things, right? And and now that controversy was summarized um, in this rule called circumcision. And this is uh, the issue that sort of prompts Paul's response. And friends, I want to tell you that um, as I have meditated on this uh, for my family, and I've meditated on what's happening in the culture, I do want to say this, right? I read a really helpful article about uh, Josh Harris and his uh, wife Shannon's sort of recent, uh, his a recent abandonment of Christianity. We don't know where she's at. And lots of people are arguing, oh, well see, it's because my theory that I said was right, and then they go and you know, sort of use it for that. I don't want to do any of that. I think that's, I think that's uh, ill-informed to do that. But I do want to mention one thing that his wife wrote recently that I thought was so helpful. As she's processing uh, all the various Trauma going on in her life, and she's processing her own relationship with God. The one thing that she highlights more than any other is the culture of Christianity that she grew up in that could properly be described in the word legalistic. Okay? The word she uses, right, I, no doubt that she's talking about legalistic church culture, the word that she uses is the word fear. She said, I lived in a culture of fear. And friends, I'll tell you that when we read the New Testament, when we open the pages of the Bible, when we read particularly in this book, you see Paul absolutely afraid for people. And the reason he's afraid is because they might be adding some rules to their lives. Right? This is where I said it was ironic with the kids. Right? He's freaking out because this church is considering adding some rules to their lives, okay? And you have to hear this because this goes so contrary to so much uh, that many of us have been raised in, many of us have practiced. Uh, Paul says it to the point where he says this, if you accept circumcision, meaning if you will allow this rule to be placed on you, if you will agree to that, If you will embrace that, listen to what he says next. If you do this, Jesus Christ will be of no advantage to you. This is very plainly what he's saying. You can either have circumcision, you can either embrace this rule, or you can experience a connection to Jesus Christ. There is no in-between in the mind of the Apostle. There is absolutely no in-between. Okay, Paul is so dead serious about this. He sees the most profound spiritual danger to the church in Galatia being the accepting of what might seem to be some, just some additional rules. I mean, hey, you know, what are some rules, right? What, what's the problem with that? Well, this is, I think, the problem that he highlights here, um, and it's... Uh, comes out in his language. He says, uh, circumcision and not accepting circumcision, you know, they count for nothing, right? That's verse six. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And here's the point, right? The strategy of Satan, the strategy of Satan that is so frequently used in the church of Jesus Christ, and in my life, and I've seen it, all over the place in your lives as well, is that he wants you to believe that something that you practice, something you do, counts, right? Well, I go to church every week, so therefore it counts. Well, I pray every morning, well, therefore it counts. Well, I give my money, and I serve in ministry teams, and therefore it counts. And Paul is saying, if you will embrace that, whether explicitly or subtly, then you are severed from Jesus Christ. He cannot get any more dead serious. And I will tell you that I believe that what we are seeing in our own culture and day, and it's, um, you know, Shannon Bond, who was married to Josh Harris, she said as much, and I think that we are seeing actually a lot of this is we are beginning to see, I believe, cultures of legalism that existed 10, 15, 20 years ago, and many of those folks are not simply walking away from the church, which they are doing, but they are coming completely off the rails. And in fact, Stan said, he said, more often than not, those who are especially influential, they won't be content to simply leave the church, they will now become active voices and enemies of the church. And a great example, um, there's a man named Derek Webb, who decided that he had what he calls a deconversion, and then it wasn't good enough that he simply walked away from the church. He had to go start a podcast, encouraging others to as well, right? You have to see this, that this is the, this is the satanic strategy that he uses to move us, to move you away from Jesus Christ. And he says That's that strategy is believing the things that I do count. Right. Let me um, let me try to flesh that out a little more. You see, Paul uh, Paul actually will practice circumcision at one point in the book of Acts. Right. He will take someone who part of his team who was uncircumcised, and he'll say, "Dude, you gotta you gotta do this." And I just want to say, right? You know, that is staff commitment right there. Okay. <laughs> just for the record, <laughs> we have never asked that of our staff. Not yet. Okay. that is that is, that is some pretty Pretty high commitment, okay. But anyway, he will do that. But then in this letter, he says, "If you do that, you're severed from Christ." How do we explain this? Right, and the whole issue is explained in the word "count." Right, his concern is that either you are counting on the righteousness of Christ, the complete and total and uh, totally comprehensive. Righteousness of Jesus Christ, or you're counting on that a little bit, and the things that you do a little bit as well. And that's where he says, if that is in your mind, right, it has a profound spiritual risk. Absolutely profound spiritual risk. Now, some of you are saying, Where where did this whole you know issue of Satan and demons come in? I don't I don't quite see it. Well, let me read to you from Paul's letter to Timothy. Uh, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is what he says. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. Right? He's describing what I'm talking about. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits in the teaching of demons. You hear that? He's saying people will be having a contact with Satan, with demons, to the point that they will depart from the faith. Now, what, are, what is he referring to, this teaching of demons? This is what he says. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, and then this is the specific teaching that they have, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving or it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And what a letdown that might must be, right? Oh, teaching of demons. Oh, this is scary stuff. Oh, what am I believing? What am I into? And he's like, you are accepting rules. You're accepting these rules to say, you know, yes, I believe in, in Christ and yes, I'm trying a good life. And, you know, but if I want to live a really good life, I'm going to be celibate and I'm going to have a better diet, right? I'm going to do keto and Whole30, okay? At the same time, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying they they are receiving this teaching that says the diet that you practice, right? The rules that you embrace, if you believe they count from the pit of hell completely. That is the very plain and simple teaching of the apostle here, and he is freaking out over uh, the possibility that his uh, dear church is accepting it. And friends, I will tell you, Pastor Stan, very helpful. Uh, We've spoken a lot about this. uh, And he he made one of the most helpful parenting insights that I have ever heard, uh, and I have used uh, in my own family, and I've seen a lot of fruit born from it. He said, Darren, The kids that you need to be concerned about aren't the kids that are always getting into the trouble. Right? Kids that you need to be concerned about are the ones who are following the rules. Right? Because those are the ones who are going to be tempted to believe that what they do counts, okay? And he he was uh, observing even in his own experience that those are the ones who are likely, more likely, to fall off the rails, okay? So this is a very significant spiritual concern. It's a demonic strategy. And friends, I will tell you, as you come this morning, what do you believe counts with respect to how God feels about you? I want to just ask you that. What counts? What is God looking at and saying, well, you know, I'm really glad that Darren, you know, kept time on the drums this morning, mostly. Okay, right? What is God saying? What is he thinking? And the answer for every single one of you, I don't care who you are, the answer for every single one of you who's a Christian is, God looks at you and he says, I am completely and utterly delighted in, overjoyed in with, pleased with, accepting of every single one of you who has received my son, Period. You can go plant dozens of churches, you can go feed the poor, you can go give all your money away, you can go do all these things, and it adds nothing to the way that I feel about you. That is the Christian gospel. Your works count for nothing at all, period. And friends, that means that when you feel shame, right, look, I... We've been honest with each other. When you feel shame, oh, I didn't do this right. Oh, I failed to do this. Or I messed this up. Oh, I said this statement. Right? When you feel that, the devil would want to say, you know what? You better get your life in order because what you do counts before God. And the answer of the New Testament is, it does not. It does not. You are accepted in the Beloved, on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, period. And any more than that is from the pit of hell, period. Okay, that's the main thing that Paul is concerned about. He says, I am concerned about the strategy of Satan contained in this word legalism, but he's concerned about something else too. And some of you are looking at me like, Darren, I am typing in letter to the elders at the moment and a little concerned about some things here. Gonna CC the Presbytery, awesome. Okay. It's always fun when the Presbyterian is cc'd. (laughs) Greatest greatest memories in life happen when that happens. Um, So that's the first thing. Now, kids, what I want you to do next, right, if you've drawn this book of the law, is I want you to draw yourself in a prison. Ooh. Who has gone to jail? Right? Ooh. I do, yeah. Draw yourself in a jail. So my... We took my kids, when they were really little, up to the school that Chrissy and I met at, and we were staying down the road a ways, and the kids were you know, mis- misbehaving occasionally, and we said to them, we said, if you misbehave up here, this place has a jail for kids. And they weren't sure whether to believe us or not. Right? They were like, no, we can't. And I was like, well, you'll see. It really does. And we took them to the school that we met at, and the school that we met at had a camp for kids about the same age called The Ranch. And in the middle of town, guess what there was? A jail. <laughs> and we showed, like, look, there's the jail. It really exists. And that was a really, that was a really fun parenting moment. We had, a, we had an afternoon of obedience that was really pleasant and pleasing. Um, so I want you to draw yourself in a prison, Okay. So some of you here, I think, have heard what I've said and you have about this many objections in your mind. You're saying, Darren, are you saying that I can go out and sin as much as I want so that grace may increase? Well, that's a question, Paul says, if you understand the gospel correctly, you will ask that exact question. If you're asking that, that means you are actually understanding the Christian gospel to a point. There is an important point here, though, that, that Paul brings up that I think um, is so helpful, and that's this. He said this, the devil effectively has two strategies, right? First strategy is the law and legalism, which is extremely effective. The second strategy is summed up in this word, the flesh, okay? And uh, we'll see that come out here in verse 13. He will say, you were called to freedom, brothers, meaning this law does not sit on your shoulders as a judge to see whether you are accepted or not. In other words, you're free, you've broken out of the kid's prison up there at the ranch, right? You're out of the prison, only do not allow your freedom to be an opportunity for the flesh. Now, what is Paul saying here and how are we to understand it? And this is, this is I think, the main idea. Paul says that when a person is brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ, like if you are not a Christian today and you are hearing the scriptures and you're considering the truth of Christianity and you're saying, I want in, I want to I come to communion, I want to become a Christian in Jesus Christ, I want to walk with him all the days of my life. If, if that's where you are, hallelujah. And if that is from God, now here's what happens, right? the idea of Christianity is all built around this word communion, right? That when you become a Christian, you have communion. You live in community with God, right? That's the whole idea of Christianity is that when you are not connected to Jesus Christ, you have disunity with God. You are outcast. You're estranged. You're far away, right? You're like You know, you're ghosting him on text, right? But when you become a Christian, you now live in community with him, right? You're part of the same home group, right? You go on trips together. You eat together. You talk together. And because God is holy, the only way that happens is when all of your sins are completely taken away now and forevermore, and that's what Jesus Christ does. When he does that, it, scripture says that He sends His very Spirit to to live in communion with you on the inside, and that you begin to have the desires of the Spirit. Right? You, if you want to read more about this? Romans chapter eight is all about this issue. Right? Sends His Spirit, and it has desires, and it's moving you to live in accordance with the way God designed the world, not because your relationship with him depends on it, but because you have this relationship with him, you see the difference, right? The non-Christian says, "I want to get God off my back, so I'm going to pay some of my taxes, right? I'm going to come to church some of the time. I'm going to, you know, people have different proportions as to what's needing to be done, right? If you're in the Amish tradition, right, you have a lot of more requirements than if you're, you know, a Methodist or something." Right? But it doesn't matter what, what tradition you are. If you're in a tradition that says, I need to do these things so that God will relate to me, right? that's legalism. On the other hand, Christian gospel says, God relates to you with absolutely no reference to the things that you do. His only reference is Jesus Christ. But when he relates to you, the way that you know that that's happened is that you begin to experience and follow the desires of the Spirit, right? And the language that Paul will use and the New Testament will use is that in our bodies, we have desires from the Spirit, right? Like I see that all over the place here. I see some of you serving all the time, some of you giving up your time, your money, your emotions, your energy, some of you taking risks to go welcome a new person into this church. And I believe that that is, I I see that in you and I believe that is because the Spirit of God is inside of you, and you're doing what God does. That's what God does, right? He sees someone who's outcast, and he says, I'm going to go move toward that person. I'm going to go pursue that person. And some of you are doing that very thing because God's Spirit is inside of you, and you're experiencing the pleasure of God when you do it, right? That's one kind of desire. The second kind of a desire is summed up in the word flesh, right? Flesh. These are the desires that we experience in our body that are in contradiction to God's design for us. Right? So a very, I'm gonna pick an example that I don't think any of you struggle with. Maybe some of you do, and you can talk to Sam about it afterwards, okay? But if, if, someone's, here, if, you, if someone's here today, right, and you are addicted to heroin, okay? Really, I'm gonna use this example right, you have a profound craving for a substance, right, whose effect is, is going to simply demolish your body, it's going to t- cost, cost all of your money, it's going to destroy your family, it's going to take and suck everything out of you if you fulfill that desire, right? And of course, if you go down that path, uh, C.S. Lewis says that the strategy is an increasing desire and less of a reward, so the ecstasy you might feel the first time you do it now, the, the, the tenth time, becomes lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, until finally you're living on the street, you have absolutely nothing, no, all of your relationships have been severed, and it's robbed you, right? I mean, that's, you know, if any of you have, have friends and family or yourselves have experienced an addiction of that severity, right, not all addictions are that severe, right, but you know that your life is simply robbed. Uh, Drew and I went to go see a concert the other night, um, blues concert, uh, over in Atlantic City, and to get to this concert, we had to navigate our way through the casino. And you know, it was really interesting watching folks just giving away their money over and over and over again to these machines. I thought, this is so interesting, so strange. They're just sitting here, just putting their money in, like, like it's a, an offering or something, over and over and over again. Um, See, what's happening, folks, is that each and every one of us has desires in our bodies that are summarized by this word flesh. And those desires are contrary to the design of God, whether it be in addiction or whether, for example, it be in uh, telling lies. Right. So if you're in a hard situation and, you know, someone needs to hear the truth, but you're afraid of what they'll think about you. And so you just decide to tell them something else you know, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't really see you there, I was just doing my own thing, or, you know, when in reality, if you were to tell them the truth, it would be difficult and confrontational, etc., right, you might not do that because the flesh is screaming out, Darren, avoid responsibility, right, your pleasure will be set aside if you simply hide and avoid responsibility, whereas God's design said, this world runs on trust and truth Right? The entire world is lubricated, as it were, by trust, truth, openness, and communication that when you hear someone's word, when they say the word yes, you can say they mean yes. Right? You don't have to doubt it. That's his design. But when we're in these situations, whether it be in reporting to the government our income or in telling a spouse something that's hard, right? Our flesh is that which inside of us is screaming out and saying, Darren, go in a different direction. Satisfy your cravings. Move in this direction. And its aim is the same aim as legalism. Its aim is to sever you from Christ. And Friends, I think that's the balance, right? That Jesus Christ has come and he has obliterated the requirement of the law on you, that you do not need to follow the law in order to be accepted by him, Period. Your standing with him is 100% based on his activity. But the way that you know that that's actually happened is that you begin to have the desires of the spirit more so than the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh, whether it be for comfort, right, for pleasures, for indulgence, for things that are not God's design, those things, you begin to make war on them, right? Because that's what happens when God's spirit lives inside of you. And so Paul says this, he says, You're called to freedom, right? You no longer have these requirements. But do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And instead, he's going to give us this vision of what it looks like, okay? He's going to give us the vision of what does freedom look like. And I have, the kids have one more drawing. Let's go ahead and get the last drawing up on the screen, okay? Okay. All right, so what's, what's this girl doing? So she's actually serving others, right? So I want you to draw yourself. doesn't have to be making a meal for someone, but draw yourself uh, loving and serving others, whether it be helping them or uh, listening to them or praying with them, uh, taking them somewhere. Go ahead and draw that. You see, what is the opposite of legalism in the scriptures, right? What is the opposite of legalism? Very tempting to say, well, the opposite of legalism is just to do whatever you want, right? If it feels good, do it, right? And that's called indulgence, and that is not the opposite of legalism. The opposite of legalism in the scripture is found in the word love. You'll see it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and you'll see it here. He says, do not use your freedom, right? Do not use the fact that this law does not count for anything anymore as an opportunity to indulge the flesh, but instead uh, love and serve one another. That's verse 13. Or verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in the one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you see, friends, when we ask this question, you know, what does the spirit of God desire? What does he want? The summary of the answer to that question is found in the word love. You read the letter of First uh, John, right? The main idea in that letter is he says, the one who loves is from above. You want to know whether God's Spirit's in someone? Look at the way they love. Do they love like God loves? Because if they do, that can only happen after the Spirit of God moves in, starts doing work, so that their love for others is not based on, you know, what will I get or what's the minimum required amount of things that I have to do in order to stay okay, to meet my obligations. The word love is referring to that activity God himself does. Okay, so the opposite of legalism is love. And friends, I'll tell you that this is, um, you know, the staff has recently conducted this outside survey that we're digesting at the moment, and there's a lot of things uh, that we're going to be working on and trying to improve on, but one of the highlights of that survey that I was so encouraged by, that our church rated so highly on, uh, was this category of loving relationships right almost across the board folks said when i come to ironworks the main thing i see is that people love me that i'm accepted even with all my flaws that i'm served that i'm welcomed in and i just want to tell you on behalf of myself and the staff and the elders i want to tell you good job well done right and that, that activity is so close to god's heart right the the law is fulfilled in the word love the opposite of the of legalism is to love deeply as God loves. And what Paul uh, expresses here is that that actually is the idea of freedom, right? You see, the the flesh, the aim of the flesh, and the aim of legalism are actually the same. Their aim is to control you, right? So if you're addicted to heroin, I just wanna tell you, like, you are not free, you are controlled. Right? You are in a prison. You do not have the ability to spend your money on the things you want to. You will spend it on one thing. Right? You don't have the ability to spend your time on the things you want to spend it on. You'll spend that on one thing. Right? You are controlled. If you are a legalist here today, then you are controlled. You're controlled by these requirements. Whatever you think that they are that you must do to be accepted by God. But if you are a Christian, if you have embraced the Christian gospel that you are free from the requirements of the law. And the way that you know you are is that you have the ability to very selflessly love and serve others. You have the ability to love in a way that were not possible if you were still a legalist, right? Because a legalist is always self-focused. What do I need to do to be accepted? What do I need to do to accomplish my righteousness? But the one who has the gospel says, it's already been accomplished. It doesn't matter if you like me or not. Like, you know, a lot of us don't come up to others because we're afraid of being received or being liked or being accepted, but the gospel says, look, you might not accept me. You might think I'm weird and awkward and have bad breath, right, but I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna love, I'm gonna try to be of service to you. I'm gonna try to engage for you. I'm gonna get over myself, right? The gospel enables this kind of community to form, and it is the best kind. So friends, As we think of these things, we're gonna go to the table. Uh, And at this table, what we have is the Lord Jesus Christ, living in complete and utter freedom with God in heaven, giving up his freedom, coming to earth, taking on a body with the desires of the flesh in it, and giving up everything so that you could have the freedom of Christ. I hope that you will embrace that today. I hope that you will join me in repenting of our legalism I hope that you will join me in repenting of the ways I constantly seek to fulfill the desires of my flesh. And my, my hope is that out of that repentance will flow a profound love for one another and for Phoenixville that will have a real substantive effect on this city and on our faith. Let me pray for you.